Hello, everyone. Welcome to the special holiday episode of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Falova. Today, we will chat with author Andrew Allen Smith, who will announce the details of his new book giveaway of Adam at the end of the interview. Andrew is a diverse writer who launched his Masterson Files series in 2016 with Vengeful Son. Since then, he has branched out to horror, thrillers, and nonfiction. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm always fantastic. How are you, Andrew? Me too. I am great. Before we explore Adam's character and actions, we're going to briefly touch on your only nonfiction book, what not to say to people who are grieving, because we are in the middle of the holiday season and many people are experiencing sadness due to the loss of a loved one or loneliness. Andrew, what inspired your book on grieving? Well, it's actually kind of funny that you bring that up because we were just at an event last week for this particular uh, book and the issues surrounding it. Last year on December 6th, my niece was tragically killed crossing the street to help another person. Uh, She was actually hit by a car and uh, it devastated our family. She was only 25 years old. Uh, She was very active in her church. She was very active in the college where she worked. And she, she just tried to be a friend to everyone. At her memorial service where there were over a thousand people gathered to honor her, Uh, Each person, as they spoke, said, uh, you know, I am so-and-so, and and I am Haley's best friend. And all of them were right. They were all Haley's best friend because she tried to make everybody positive and tried to lift everyone up. After her death, my little sister and I decided that there were too many things said at the memorial service that probably should have been thought out a little better. And there was no real guidance on what to say and what not to say. And if you look at the actual title of the book, it's a play on words because it has what to say to people who are grieving with a not inserted in there. And inside we talk about what to say and what not to say to people. Uh, And uh, it's an attempt to help Each of the items is explained how we experienced it, what we experienced, and then a story is put in about each of the items as so that people can understand the situation. And when you you actually read through it, you get a good idea of uh, what my sister was feeling, what I was feeling after the death of my father, uh, and how we approached all of that. And uh, hopefully you can walk away Uh, feeling a little better and having a good idea and not avoiding talking to people who are going through grief, but instead doing the most important thing. And that's being there for them. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You can't fix it for people. But if you're there for them and you actually show up, you do make a difference and uh, potentially Uh, give that person a a little hope and a little positive feeling. Um, But this has turned into a foundation. And in the last page of the book, it honors the Haley Sue Foundation. Uh, That foundation this year has given away a scholarship. uh, And also uh, just last Saturday, uh, we visited uh, 
uh, Scottsville, Kentucky, and gave away Christmas presents to some people who were really deserving, uh, walked around town and talked to people, and uh, just tried to help people in need. And it was a very touching and amazing situation. And I write about that on my blog at 29,000sunsets.com. Okay. So what is your message to people who are grieving during this holiday season? Uh, don't go through it alone. There are people out there that care. And uh, all you have to do is reach out. Stay away from despair. Don't give up and remember that you're special. And when you're grieving for somebody, they wouldn't want you to give up. They wouldn't want you to, to set yourself aside. Instead, uh, focus on finding people you can talk to uh, or finding people you can just sit with. You don't need to talk to them about things. You don't need to do anything. Uh, instead, you just, it, it's, it's a good idea just to be around people and realize that you know, it's a great gift that we have. We're, we've all been giving the, given this gift of life and we, we, can really, we can really help each other out. There are people there that want to help you. Just, just look out for them. Thank you for those beautiful words. Okay, now let's switch over to Adam. Adam is edgier and not necessarily for everyone. The book skirts the lines of thriller and contains more adult themes than previous works. Andrew, what inspired the title and the character in this book? Well, it's, a, it's kind of funny. Uh, the character in the entire book was uh, one of another series of thousands of dreams that I've had. Uh, and the actual prologue was almost word for word a dream uh, that I had had at one time. The name and the title, uh, Adam, uh, was inspired from Shelley. I was... Uh, toying with the idea of what name I should give this character and I thought about uh, a monster that had no real identity uh, but understood that he himself was an immortal and uh, there is a phrase inside of the book that he gave himself the name Adam uh, because as far as he knows he's the first and only of his kind and uh, he, he thought that that was fitting not only based on Shelley, but based on the Bible and other literature, Adam was a prime name. Uh, but the book itself was inspired by a dream. Uh, the, the characters are a bit edgier uh, and uh, it, it's a, a, a little different. And the book is all in first person, which is different. Usually I write in third person and mm -hmm. this book is all in first person from Adam's point of view. The idea of the eternal forever is that there will be only five books in this series, and they'll be written from the perspective of four of the different characters in the book. And then the fifth book will be uh, binding that all together in a third person narrative. So uh, it, it'll, it'll be an exciting run. And I've already had fan mail saying, where's the second? And I just released the first. It's like, come on, give me a break for at least That's five incredible. minutes. So what are some of the concepts that you explore in this book? Well, uh, the biggest concept, uh, there, there are several. One of the concepts is the concept of death. And uh, uh, I think it was uh, Dracula that said it, Bela Lugosi 
back in 1934. I think that's right. Uh, not 100 percent sure, uh, but uh, to die, to truly be dead, ah, that must be glorious. Everybody thinks about death as this thing that is uh, scary and we should walk away from it. But here we have a character whose first memory was in Derbent in 2200 BC. And the biggest thing he found was loneliness. Uh, he's been alone for a significant portion of his life. In fact, inside of the book, he makes a statement that one of the best friends that he had ever uh, was a tortoise and it lived to, to be 150 years old. And he felt uh, excited that something lived that long uh, to be around him because he's seen many people come and go uh, and he has continued to exist. Uh, it also uh, explores uh, the definition of a monster uh, and mm -hmm. in several of my books and short stories, I, I skirt that definition uh, as mm -hmm. to what is a monster and what's not. Uh, and a lot of this book is character development. Uh, there is uh, Adam who has this tremendous knowledge of the world and has been alive for 4,000 plus years. And then you have Terry uh, who he has uh, just brought in with him and is explaining what he is. And uh, she, although she's naive, she brings a, a very different type of uh, worldly knowledge to the book, uh, very funny. Uh, very uh, outspoken, uh, a, a very uh, passionate uh, woman. Uh, and then there are several other characters, uh, but mostly the story rotates around them, even though there's some uh, very intense sub-stories going on. Uh, and uh, there are smaller stories uh, that are inside, uh, you know, what makes the essence of a man uh, and how do people define themselves. And there's also uh, as to, you know, what really is important in life? Is it the things we collect or is it the memories that we share? Right. What were some of the challenges in writing this book? Well, there are places where it gets kind of steamy. And that was part of my thought process up front and uh, I don't normally write anything that gets really steamy. Uh, so uh, I took a lot of that out in the final cut of the book. Uh, I actually put a poll out on uh, one of my websites and asked my readers, uh, should, should I have this be more uh, pushed to the MO plus where, or, or the AD plus where mm -hmm. it's the heavy adult or should I scale it back where I can? And a significant number of people wrote to me and said, I'd try to bring it backwards. Uh, and I got a couple of uh, unsolicited reviews that were, uh, I really liked the book and the way that you approached it, but you could have left some of the sex scenes out. And they weren't really full sex scenes, but they were there uh, and it, it was edgier. So. I understand that. And there are people out there that it makes them uncomfortable uh, to, to be with that. But it's an integral part to the story. I was actually uh, talking to someone who has already read the book on Wednesday, and uh, they made the statement to me, uh, if you would have taken that out, the story wouldn't have made sense. Uh, so it, it had to be in there. 
uh, and I understood it. Uh, they just, uh, they also want to know where the next book is. So I'm already getting some interest in the next book, which is nice. What sets you apart from other authors in your genre, specifically with this book? What uh, I think the big thing that sets me apart here is I'm trying to stay away from the typical stereotype immortals. Mm -hmm. uh, I took significant classical mythology in college uh, and I, I didn't want to be anything that was normal. I wanted to stay on the edge of it okay. um, to, to be outside of that, that typical. In fact, there are several conversations inside of the book where, uh, well, what are you, a vampire? Uh, no, I'm not a vampire. I'm not a, uh, uh, I, I'm not a zombie. It goes through a list of the different uh, immortals that are out there that everybody knows about. It, Adam is something that is different. Uh, in fact, I go a little bit into the science that his cells replicate different and they don't degrade over their replication. Uh, mm -hmm. So it just where most of us grow old because our cells stop replicating correctly, his never do. Uh, and his replicate much faster. And he had a scientist looking into it until that scientist was mysteriously killed. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, I, I keep it on that other side. Plus there's, there's a, a secondary story in the very start of the book, uh, which uh, I'll uh, read a small section of, yes, there will be violence, but nothing else. Uh, but in the very start of the book, uh, there's significant violence and that turns into a sub story where something happens that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that story is going on as he's trying to save this woman's life and as he's explaining to her who he is and what he's become. What are the major takeaways from a Adam? Uh, I think the, for, for the readers so far, the major takeaway is I should have written all five books before I released it, uh, but <laughs> uh, because uh, well, uh, I love it, I love that. Uh, but uh, you know, the the major takeaway is that uh, immortality is is something that is tough. Mm -hmm. It's it's not something that uh, everybody should say. Wow, this is this is the superpower that I want. Uh, and with that, there's a certain responsibility, and it's far more complicated uh, than just being alive. Uh, I, I saw a post on Facebook recently uh, asking, why are vampires always rich? And, uh, you know, there was a person that replied to it. Uh, if you've been alive for 400 years and you don't have any money, you need to go ahead and walk out into the sunrise uh, because it, it's if you think about it, you have the opportunity to see the world differently. Or I picked up this uh, clear rock and 500 years later, it's worth a half a million dollars. Or, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of things that uh, are both positives and negatives in the, the approach to uh, being immortal. Uh, but also uh, that uh, here is a story about a, 
someone who's been around a long time and at the same time they have human thoughts and human frailty and human emotions and they're not just apart from us all they're also part of uh, part of what the human race is part of that uh i have anger i have love i have uh, passion i have frustration uh and uh, i have humor uh and there's a lot of parts of the book that are pretty funny i think good we need humor what have you learned about yourself from writing this book uh, that I like writing lots of different things. This was a lot of fun. Uh, when, I, when I wrote the book, I took the extra time. Uh, it actually was much longer initially, and I, I cut a lot out of it to, for what's final and is out there right now. I kept the extra and may eventually republish it with the extra. Mm -hmm. It includes extra steamier scenes and extra things that uh, you know, other people probably would have thought it as frivolous, but uh, I enjoy the characters that are inside of it. Uh, Adam is a very uh, strong, stern character, but he has a very tender side. And there is a fun little character uh, named Micah uh, who does uh, personal shopping uh, that if you don't giggle a little with him, uh, he's, he's, he's just your, your typical a uh, quick salesperson, uh, real fast. And uh, you, you kind of sit back and say, I know a guy like that. Uh, there's a police, uh, a police captain that's uh, really awesome and very straightforward. And he and Adam have had a friendship, even though Adam knew of him when he was a child uh, mm -hmm. and just watched it grow. And the interaction between some of the people at the colleges and some of the locations are, are truly a, 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 a very positive thing. So uh, I, I've, I've put a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot into the characters and feel really good about how I approached it all. How long did it take you to write this book, Andrew? Uh, I wrote the book in less than 30 days. I think I wrote it in 17 Whoa. days. Yeah, I wrote it in 17 days last November and sent it to an editor. And it, it, it we kind of went back and forth. And uh, when the editor completed, mm -hmm. uh, I sent it to a second editor and then we went back and forth. And so what I wrote in 17 days uh, took a uh, little over a year uh, to complete. Okay. So this is this is one of those tried and true things that writing the story isn't anything like uh, editing. Uh, but to be fair, the editor that I uh, worked with initially, uh, she had some issues. And of course, we had the dreaded COVID, uh, which impacted a lot of things from communication uh, and their availability. Uh, and uh, in some cases, my availability to uh, work in a collaborative manner uh, about the edits. Uh, this year in NaNoWriMo, I finished my uh, sixth novel in the Masterson File series in 19 days and wrote 79,000 words in 19 days. So if I get rolling, uh, it, it, it can be pretty intense. That's amazing. What is the funniest or the most bizarre thing that has happened to you during an in-person author event? Wow. Uh, 
I don't know if you've seen the cover to Adam, uh, but on the cover to Adam, uh, I was at a Christmas show last week and I had uh, several women that were out on a shopping trip come up and say, can I just get him? Is that what you look like under that shirt? I Can, can we see? And I was like, uh, no, that's not what I look like. Uh, but uh, I had the cover designed for this book and there are a lot of people that have looked at it. Uh, but in general, the funniest thing that I get consistently uh, is with my Masterson Files books, people come up and say, uh, so are you the ex-assassin? And I, I wanna say, okay, well, if I was the ex-assassin, I think you're in trouble right now because uh, I, I don't want anybody knowing I'm the ex-assassin. Uh, so uh, it, it's amazing sometimes how, how people are and uh, the questions that they ask. And a lot of people ask where I get my motivation or where I get the ideas for my characters and uh, you know, trying to explain to them that uh, they're somewhere in the depths of my mind trying to come out. Uh, if you're not a writer, you may not understand that. Uh, it's, it's something inside of you that just suddenly flows out and rolls onto the paper. And uh, what made you think of a man who, uh, uh, a bunch of women held captive for 700 years. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe I wanted to be held captive to a 700. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's, I've, I've had a lot of questions like that. But probably the funniest thing was the, the more recent where the women wanted to take the man off the cover and leave with him. They did nice. buy books, though. Nice. So, so they all bought books. And I was like, uh, you're taking him home with you today. It was the cover. It was the cover. The cover is a lot. It, so, it is. What is next for Andrew in 2022? Well, I've got to collaborate this month on book six for the Masterson Files. I have to write uh, Morgan, which will be the second in the series uh, for The Eternal Forever. Uh, I have a children's book that I am producing and will be coming out uh, right before Christmas. Uh, I've, I've worked on it for some time. Uh, I have uh, Burial Ground, which I finished last year and I need to work with an editor on it. And I have kept it uh, under uh, close quarters on purpose, uh, but now I'm going to go ahead and finish it. Uh, I have Another Slice of Fear, which is 15 more horror short stories. Excellent. Uh, another slice of passion, which is uh, 75 pages of poetry, uh, previously unpublished pro poetry. Uh, and I have a book that I have been working on for a significant amount of time called Stealth Drive, uh, that will probably be one of the uh, more different and intense books that I have written. Uh, because it is a man's journey into uh, finding himself. Uh, so I have a lot on my plate. That's a lot going on. Yeah, I know. It's fun. It sounds like fun. Would you like to read to us? Uh, if I can find the page, yes. It can't be too long because we're going to run out of time, unfortunately. We're good. This is not too long. So uh, this happens at the start. And uh, 
Terry and Adam have already met each other at a bourbon tasting and they are about to go. It is early in the morning. So <clears throat> ready to go eat, she asked. Of course, I said, as we walked through the long hall and living area to the garage. It's four in the morning. Where do you want to go? I asked her. Well, there's only one place to go at 4 a.m. that has good food, she smiled. Tally ho. I laughed, drove out of the garage and got back onto the road heading to town. A beep in the car let me know the garage was again closed as the road beckoned. Terry was still full of questions. How bad were the scars originally, she asked. How do you feel? Is your skin ever sore? I answered the best I could. They healed a long time ago. I've been pain-free for a long time as well. The skin feels fine as it actually thickened. When I had the scars originally, I looked almost like a ghost. She was amazed and truly interested. I talked to her about that and more on the drive downtown, lost in the interactions I had never known. The entire way, she would not let go of my hand and rubbed it on her perfect leg, making it very difficult for me to drive. I was in what felt like heaven as we pulled into the Tallyho parking lot. Do I need anything? Terry asked as she looked through her purse and put on a small dab of lipstick. No, I laughed. I think I can afford a hoe with cheese. Don't forget fries, she said as she stuffed her purse behind the seat. I love fries. Oh, and I only share fries if I really like you. We got out of the car laughing and began walking towards the front door. Look who it is, I heard the voice from behind, the big man and his little slut. I guess you would come here to the only place with great food at night. We both turned, but it was Terry who spoke. Sam, go home. You're drunk. I saw him and the three other young men with him. I recognized two of them as players in the UK football team. I tensed slightly. I guess she was fine enough for you to take to this dive, Sam said in a terse tone. The other men were guarded and their eyes focused on me. It's not a dive, Sam. I like the food, Terry started. Shut up, Sam said, walking towards me. Your boy and I have some pain to discuss. I don't like much being manhandled, so I picked up a few friends and maybe we should manhandle you a little. I tensed, muscles flexing beneath my coat, but Terry held my arm tightly and looked up at me. Remember, you said you would not. I looked down at her and saw the pleading in her eyes, so I lightly guided her behind me. I know. Sam swung and hit me in the face. He pulled back his hand and grabbed it. Steel? He shook his hand. I barely moved. He swung again and hit my face again and again, pulling back his now battered hand. I don't want to hurt you, I said to Sam. Then looking over to the rest, I don't want to hurt any of you. Just get in your car and go. I added softly as Terry held my arm from behind. The bat hit me across the stomach and knocked the breath from me for a split second. It cracked, but I grabbed it quickly before the football player could pull it away. I held it. He pulled harder, yanked, but the bat did not move. He looked in my eyes with a sense of realization and pulled again harder in desperation. I let go and watched him topple to the ground. Looking over my shoulder to Terry, I searched her face. Can I hurt them now? Her eyes were full of fire as she said, just stop them. As I turned back, I saw Sam had pulled out a small pistol. He aimed at my chest and fired. I felt the bullet pass through me and the hands holding my arm went limp. I turned in time to catch Terry before she fell all the way to the ground. Her shoulder was covered with blood and she gasped lightly. I felt another bat break over my back, but still I held her as she gasped. 
Guess that didn't work, she said with a weak voice and an attempt at a smile. I stood turning. All four men saw something was different. Sam was training his gun on me and I grabbed it by the barrel. He fired and a hole went through my hand. Blood covered parts of my hand and as Sam watched, the skin folded in upon itself and my hand was whole, a clean spot in the center of the bloody mess. What are you, Sam asked, looking at me. Nothing you could understand. I hit him in the chest in anger. He fell hard to the ground on his face and did not move. One of the boys turned him over. His chest was caved in at a weird angle and he looked up to some unknown destination in the skies, lost forever to this world. The sun was rising, a blood red color encrusted the sky above. Thank and I'm you. stopping right there. <laughs> nice. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway? The details of my book giveaway. Yes, you are listening here today. And I'm going to put this on a screen that you can't see. Yes, this is Adam that I'm holding in my hand right now. And if you write to me, that's right, write to me at andrew.allen.smith at gmail.com. That's right, andrew.allen.smith at gmail.com. And say that you listened to this show. You, the first person who sends this, will receive a signed copy. And if you're second or third or fourth, I will happily tell you that you're second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth. Uh, but the first person will definitely get a free book and uh, with a nice bookmark and maybe a special surprise along with it. Special surprises are good. Don't tell, don't tell. And since this is our Christmas special, we are sharing our favorite Christmas memories. Andrew, can you share with our listeners your favorite Christmas memory? Yeah, it's kind of a weird one. Uh, when I was five years old, my mother decided to take me with her. I had no idea where we were going, and we went to a doctor's house. I knew the doctor because he was my doctor. And we walked into the house and there was a spiral staircase straight out of a movie with a Christmas tree that was easily 20 foot high, piled with presents and a train set running around the tree over and over. And uh, as the doctor and my mother talked, uh, there, I had no idea what was going on. I paid very close attention. Uh, to the trains and just loved the ideas and the sparkling lights everywhere. And I looked up and the doctor had brought in a little baby girl and uh, she was wrapped in a white receiving blanket and he handed her to my mom and it was the adoption of my baby sister. Uh, and we picked up my baby sister and we took her home and uh, she and I have been, uh, well, we've been like brother and sister ever since. Sometimes it's great, and sometimes oh, it's no. okay. Uh, sometimes, uh, and I, I can only hope that uh, I've taken good care of her always. Uh, so, but it, it was my, my best Christmas memory. Beautiful memory. Before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavant and Digital Quill Services for writers with author Colleen Nye. Parting shots from each one of us. Andrew, you go first. Uh, my parting shot is 
read into the authors. Uh, there are a lot of independent authors out there. Some are fantastic and some are okay, but uh, they all put a lot of work into uh, giving you a, an escape from reality. I hope that you get a chance to uh, read Adam. It's a fun book and the next one will be even more fun. And if you don't get a chance to read either of those, uh, check out my blog at 29,000sunsets.com. And I also do book reviews there and a whole lot of other things. Uh, we, we keep up with it and I write there every day. That's right, every day. My parting shots, buy indie, read indie, and write indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho.